Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that raises the curtain on everyday history and lets it take a bow. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about Rudolf Noreev's leap to freedom, the day when he became the first of several ballet dancers and artists to escape from the Soviet Union during the Cold War. The day was June 16, 1961. Russian ballet dancer Rudolf Noreev defected from the Soviet Union at an airport in Paris. He had traveled to France as a member of the prestigious Kirov Ballet Troupe, which had recently launched its first international tour. During the group's stay in Paris, the 23-year-old Noreev fell in love with the Western way of living, and once the trip was over, he couldn't bear the thought of returning to life behind the Iron Curtain. And so, as the rest of his company boarded a plane for the tour's next stop in London, Noreev broke away from his KGB minders and begged the French police for protection. His high-profile defection came at the height of the Cold War, and although the Western media hailed it as a victory for democracy, for Noreev, the decision to defect was more personal than political. Rudolf Noreev was born on a Trans-Siberian train in Siberia on March 17, 1938. His mother was on her way to visit his father, a military commissar stationed in Vladivostok, and apparently Rudolf couldn't wait to see him either. The Noreev family was poor and lived humbly, but Rudolf's mother still indulged him and his three older sisters with occasional trips to the ballet. It was on one such outing that a young Noreev developed his passion for dance. At age 11, he started taking free lessons from a former ballerina, and as a teenager, he worked as a stagehand while continuing to practice in his spare time. In 1955, Noreev moved to Leningrad, now St. Petersburg, 
and was accepted into one of the nation's top ballet schools. At 17, he was a bit older than his fellow freshmen, but the thing that really made him stand out was his unconventional dance style. Noreyev's training had been largely informal, and as a result, his movements broke from the rigid structure and discipline of traditional Russian ballet. In addition to his flamboyant stage presence, Noreyev could jump higher and leap farther than other male dancers, attributes which earned him the acclaim of both his instructors and his peers. After graduating in 1958, Noreyev was invited to be a featured soloist in the Kirov Ballet, now known as the Marinsky Ballet. It was quite an honor for the 20-year-old, as the Kirov was one of Soviet Russia's premier cultural institutions, right up there with the Bolshoi Ballet. The company's performances were esteemed not only within the USSR, but by art lovers all over the world. However, there was a downside to all that notoriety. Namely, it came with the expectation of stoic, state-approved behavior, and that wasn't Noreyev's strong suit. Known for his strong will and temperamental nature, the dancer often bristled at the austerity of the Kirov Ballet and its ironclad rules. Soviet authorities took notice of that tension and decided not to let Noreyev perform abroad for his first several years with the company. That rule was finally relaxed in the spring of 1961 when the troupe was given the green light to stage its first foreign tour. As one of the country's most popular dancers, Noreyev was permitted to go as well, but only if he was accompanied at all times by agents of Russia's state security service, the KGB. That may sound like a drastic precaution, but the Soviets did have a lot riding on Kirov's Western debut. As part of its Cold War propaganda campaign, the USSR had been searching for ways to tout its supposed cultural superiority. In April of 1961, the country succeeded in sending the first cosmonaut, Yuri Gargarian, into space. Two months later, the Kremlin hoped to follow up that victory by showing off its most renowned cultural export, the Kirov Ballet. But to make sure the tour went off without a hitch, the KGB would have to keep an eye on the country's most volatile asset, a 23-year-old bisexual dancer who couldn't be trusted to play by the rules. Paris was the first stop on the Kirov Company's tour, and also Noreyev's first time outside the Soviet Union. The dancer stayed on his best behavior during performances, but off the stage was a different story. Instead of returning to the hotel each night and the buses provided, Noreyev sneaked away to hang out with French dancers and other locals at late-night watering holes. And while a couple other Kirov dancers broke curfew as well, None of them were considered flight risks by the agents overseeing the tour. By mid-June, the Kirov company had wrapped up its run in Paris and was preparing for its next stop in London. But when the group arrived at the Le Bourget airport on June 16th, Noreyev was instead given a ticket to Moscow. At first, the six KGB agents pretended the dancer had been called back to do a special performance for Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev. Then, when Noreyev refused, they told him his mother had fallen ill and that she desperately wanted to see him before she died. But Noreyev knew that couldn't be true, as he had recently spoken to his mother on the phone. That's when he realized what was really going on. The KGB had told the Kremlin about his wild nights in Paris, 
and now he was being sent back to the Soviet Union to face the consequences. He wasn't sure what the Soviet authorities would do to him, but he was convinced that if he did go back, he'd never be allowed out of the country again. With his personal freedom on the line, Noreyev once again refused to go with the agents. They tried to lead him to the plane by force, but the dancer broke loose and ran straight into the arms of two French police officers. Protect me, he shouted in English. I want to be free. I want the French police to protect me. Despite protests from the Soviet agents, Noreyev was immediately taken into French custody. He was eventually granted political asylum in France, forcing the rest of the Kirov troop and the KGB agents to return to Russia without him. The dancer's defection was reported all over the world, except, of course, in the Soviet Union, where the press wasn't allowed to mention it. Behind the scenes, though, the Soviet government was fuming. They put Noreyev on trial in absentia, eventually finding him guilty of treason and sentencing him to seven years' hard labor. Meanwhile, the KGB tried every trick it could think of to get revenge on the dancer. The agency coerced his friends and family into writing letters begging Noreyev to return, and they even considered ruining his career by sending agents to break his legs. Thankfully, none of those schemes paid off, and Noreyev continued to live free for the rest of his life. His defection did wonders for his career, too. Within a week of claiming asylum, he joined a ballet company in Paris and began performing in Sleeping Beauty. He later joined England's Royal Ballet and also made the leap to films and television, including as the guest host of a 1978 episode of The Muppet Show. In 1983, Noreyev was appointed the ballet director of the Paris Opera, where, in addition to directing, he continued to dance and to mentor the next generation of dancers. In total, he performed more than 90 different roles with 30 ballet companies over the course of his three-decade career. Sadly, Rudolf Noreyev tested positive for HIV in 1984. He continued working for the next seven years, but retired after being diagnosed with AIDS. Two years later, on January 6, 1993, Rudolf Noreyev died in Paris from AIDS complications at the age of 54. After his death, Noreyev's brilliance as a dancer was celebrated across the world, but one of the most touching tributes came, rather unexpectedly, from his own home country. It was a statement from Oleg Vinogradov of the Marinsky Ballet, the same company he had danced for and walked out on in 1961. Though brief and to the point, the statement would have enraged the old Soviet regime as it seemed to vindicate Noreyev's actions. It said, matter-of-factly, what Noreyev did in the West, he could never have done here. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class.
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 